Today, many Jewish families don't send their children to private Jewish day school. Some parents homeschool, others don't live near a school, and others simply cannot afford full-time Jewish day school. Each of these families needs a solution that offers their children serious Jewish learning. Kita can help. Kita is serious online Torah learning at an affordable price. With Kita, middle school-aged children receive up to four online lessons each week and also participate in weekly Zooms with other kids from around the world. For the coming school year, Kita offers two plans. In the Chumash and Navi plan, students will receive two self-guided lessons in Chumash Shmot and Navi Shmuel Aleph, and then participate in a weekly Zoom. In the Mishnah and Gemara plan, students will receive two self-guided lessons in Mishnah Brachot and Gemara Elu Metziot, and then participate in a weekly Zoom. Registration is now open for the fall of 2022, which begins on August 29th. Is your family new to Kita? You can register for a two-week trial at no cost. To learn more about how Kita can help your children grow and thrive in Jewish learning, visit kita.org. That's K-I-T-A-H dot O-R-G. everybody. Welcome to another edition of RZU Weekly, our weekly podcast about modern orthodoxy, religious Zionism, and everything in between. How are you today? My name is Yvonne Spolter. I'm here with Harav Johnny Solomon. How are you, Harav Johnny? I'm great. How are you? And Harabanit Mali Bravsky. Harabanit Mali Bravsky, how are you? Baruch Hashem. Welcome back to both of you. I was away. You were all away. We're coming back. It's Rishon Le'elul. We're turning over a new leaf and not doing bios at the suggestion of... Uh, one of my children. If you don't know what we do, maybe we'll come back to it another week, but uh, listen to a prior podcast and you can figure out the many, many things that we do. We thought that as this week is the beginning of Rosh Chodesh Elul, and uh, it's one of those rare years where uh, Rosh Hashanah doesn't come out like, you know, three days after Memorial Day in America, so there's time to prepare for Rosh Hashanah. So we thought we would maybe take the opportunity to see if we can share some thoughts and the way that we, uh, each of us, thinks about approaching uh, Yamim Noraim, approaching Rosh Hashanah and thinking about Chodesh Elu. And uh, I guess we'll start with Rav Jani. Rav Jani, take it away. And then each of us will sort of respond to, uh, to, uh, to, the, to each other. Take it away, Rav Jani. Okay, so I want to share three ideas, one which I think leads to the other, um, which I hope enriches you, inspires you, as they've inspired me. So the first actually comes from a sefer that just turned up at my doorstep a couple of days ago. This is a new Koran Slichot, Minaglita, with a commentary of Rabbi J.J. Shachter. I was sent it to review, and I've been spending the past couple of days going through it. It is really, really very, very special. And I want to begin with a quote from his introductory essay. Wait, Johnny, is it for sale? Mm-hmm. Have they put it out for sale yet? Yeah, it's available now. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll be writing something about it in the next kind of like week, week and a half uh, to make sure that there's enough time uh, before Ashkenazim needs Slichot. Of course, Svaidim already started a couple of days ago. 
So what does Rabbi Shachter say? He says, In the heart of every Jew is a deep yearning, sometimes undetected and unacknowledged, to connect to God in a meaningful way. During the Slichot service, we repeatedly invoke this feeling. We state that we want to properly serve God, but we face challenges from within and from without that make doing so very difficult. We pray to him to remove them from us so we can be in a position to worship him in accordance with our true desire. So that's just beautiful. You know, it's just a... How often do you come across those kind of uh, softly expressed words in a commentary on Slichot that can speak to you, especially when you're about to say Slichot late at night? Well, the answer is it's rare, if at all. And so this is a really, really valuable and special contribution to the Jewish bookshelf. So I've been considering really my relationship, not just to Slichot, but now in Chodesh Elul, coming up to the Yamim Noraim. I'm also delivering a number of Shirim on these themes. And one theme that I wanted to consider is about, as he says, to remove them from us so we can be in a position to worship God. So how do we deconstruct to reconstruct in many ways? That's part and parcel of, I think, the Avodah of, uh, of Elul and the Yamim Noraim. And this prompted me to think slightly differently about an idea that I, I certainly know that both of you are familiar with. The whole period of Chodesh Elul till Yom Kippur is about when Am Yisrael, well, was waiting to receive and Moshe was working hard to provide the Luchot Shniot, right, the second tablet. Uh, and on this, um, Rav Yudah Mital writes in his book Et Ratzon a very, very beautiful idea. He says, He said, in the second luchot, it says, you shall carve yourself, you shall sculpt for yourselves. And he says here, you should do this with yourself. He says, don't just rely on the atmosphere of the Bet Midrash, don't just rely on the atmosphere of Elul. Rather, you have a duty to shape yourself, to sculpt yourself, to reform yourself. And so this idea of Psalacha is really a calling for each and every one of us within the period of Jewish history when that uh, action was being realized in practice. But then there's a stage in between, which is the deconstruction for that reconstruction. And what did Moshe do with the Luchot Rishonot? What does he do with the first set of tablets? Well, we know that he smashed them or they fell from his hands. That itself a matter of debate. But then we have this fascinating phrase that uh, Chazal expressed based on the words of the Torah, God validates, God praises Moshe for, for letting go or throwing down the Luchot. And from that, we have that phrase, shkoyach, which is in Yishar Kochacha, is a full term of the phrase shkoyach. And taking these three teachings in mind, the question is, how can we not just pray to God to remove the challenges within us so we can be in a position to worship God in accordance with our true desire, as Rabbi Shacht explains? The answer is through a process of psalacha. But in order to do that, we all need validation as we sometimes do this thing called Asher Shibata, when we break, when we fracture the things which sh we shouldn't be carrying into the next year. 
And given this, I just want to acknowledge how we need friends and family to give us encouragement and support in the process of deconstruction for reconstruction. We need them to tell us, Yishakach, when we're working hard to get rid of and to shatter some of the unhealthy habits that we perhaps continued to practice in the past year or years, while we also expend our energy in the process of psalacha. So that's just a, a short series of thoughts which I think comes together quite nicely. Mali, you want to react, respond? Um, well, I just want to say, as usual, that uh, Johnny articulated everything that's kind of been ruminating in my soul um, and which I was kind of struggling to articulate. And then, like, boom, 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 boom. Um, everything he said was really like, I was like, yes, that's that's what I think. And that's what I think. And that's what I think. And <laughs> in a very beautiful, beautiful and eloquent way. So uh, I'll just kind of like... Um, reflect on what he's saying um, and say um, I, I very much first of all I agree with you that that quote from from um, Rabbi Schechter is exactly correct um, and I think um, remembering that that's what we're doing in Elul that it's that it's not about external things but it's about that really that inner work I love that phrase deconstruct in order to reconstruct uh, the thing that I wanted to point out, because this is this is what I encounter quite often, is that women, especially women with young children or women with very busy households, maybe they don't have young children, but maybe they have still a full house and they're hosting or whatever, often have expressed a very common theme, which is, you know, Elul used to be, you know, Elul's man and learning and slichos and hearing the chauffeur in the morning and, you know, whatever, all the ways in which when you're younger or, or, or on your own or meaning when you have no other responsibilities, say it that way, because um, it's not about age, it's about, you know, what, what, what's going on in your life. Um, and now I'm in a situation where, you know, it, it's all about the cooking and the cleaning and the and, and, and the laundry and, and the table, at, you know, setting the table and clearing the table and I'm going in unprepared and I feel terrible and, you know, I feel guilty. And I, I just want to reflect that I think that that's a very common feeling that women experience. Um, I don't know if men have a parallel experience once they're kind of balabatim and no longer, you know, in yeshiva. Um, but women- it's, it's interesting you say that. My reflection would be, Absolutely. I, I'm no longer okay. in yeshiva and I've got however many jobs I have to take care of and work and house things. And so I've got to take care of the lawn and, you know, do, do my own housework. And, right. and my wife, I hope doesn't laugh at that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think I don't know why men would be any different except for the fact that let's say you're in shul and you hear the chauffeur. Right. OK. No, so uh, somehow I do think that women um, do feel that that transition from a person for whom um, their religiosity and their vodas Hashem and their, that expression of that is one thing to something very, very different often as their stages of life shift. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, like one of the messages I want to, to, to kind of share is to like give women permission that it's okay. And that like, that's what, that's another reason why I really love what Johnny's saying, which is this is just about that internal work and your relationship with God 
And if you say, okay, I don't have enough time to like think about my relationship with God, that's like way too big. Okay, that's also fine. That's where, like, again, Johnny's thing of like, meaning this is maybe a little contradictory, but this is like the validating and for validating for yourself and giving yourself permission and, and appreciating the positive in what you're doing day to day. And then also at the same time, I do agree with Johnny. And I think um, if we all find it doesn't have to be long, it can be one half hour during the month, you know, and if it's more mato, if it's one half hour during the each week, mato, and if it's more than that, also like even better every time. But like if it's one half hour during the month of Elo to sit and think about what do I want to deconstruct in order to reconstruct very seriously. And I, I, I agree with Johnny also about the Shvirat Haluchot because I think Finish up? Or is that, I, you have a I would like to ask a question. Okay, yeah, go you ahead. seem to say you seem to have said two opposite things, because the first thing you said was it's okay, don't worry about it, I validate that, and then the second thing you said is, and which I resonate with much more strongly, it's not okay. It's not okay to say that in your busy life, you have to find and tell your husband to watch the kids and and find that half an hour. You I, I said saying? find like, half an hour in the month. Correct. Okay. Correct. I so think... it's not okay. It's not okay to say I'm too busy. It's okay, not okay, but what I'm saying is, right? And, and I'm, like, I, we have to be okay with saying that that's tshuva. It's not okay to right. say I can't. So, right, but what I'm saying is I don't want you to, I, I want to say that like even if it's only half an hour in your month because that's what you can do, then go with that. I think that's a much, it's like with meditation, oh. right? It's like you're okay. meditating 20 minutes a day. And then the, the guy that I love, the, my personal like guru, he's like, if you do one minute a day or even five seconds or you take one breath, that's awesome. And people who hear that are much more likely to consistently meditate and to meditate more. If the message is every little thing you do is already awesome, you're already winning. And then the more you do, the better. So that's that's where I'm coming from. And the truth is I, I was going to get to what you're saying, Ruby, which is um, I think in our time, in our, you know, um, era, there's a lot of emphasis on, you know, the simcha and shuvah's awesome, and there's much less emphasis on the deconstruction, I think. Even though I think there's like a unfortunate, whatever, fortunately and unfortunately, still a lot of good Jewish guilt out there. But I think the younger generation definitely gets a much more joy-oriented approach to Elul and Yamim Noraim than we did when we were younger. And I don't think that that's bad, but I, I don't want the baby thrown out with the bathwater, and I think that that's why I, I love Johnny's phrase, because it, it, it emphasizes the positive, which is you're reconstructing, but it doesn't shy away from the work, which is the deconstructing. And sit with yourself and think and, and take a good um, moral inventory, you know, like take a good stock. If, and like, I just, and this is the last thing I'm going to say, and if you're interested, I can talk about it more later. But I'm reading an incredible book about the 12 steps and spirituality, and you do not have to be addicted to anything to gain from this book. Um, it's called God of, God of Our Understanding and it is a wonderful book and it has been incredibly transformative for me. And it's showing me the value of the 12 steps and one of them is take a fearless moral inventory. Um, I think that, that for personal growth, we have to be unafraid to take a fearless moral inventory. Um, that's easier to do when you're coming from a basis of saying, and Hashem, I know you love me and Hashem, I know you love me no matter what and my role in this world is to serve you, so I need to figure out how to be the best me that I can be for you and for myself, not from a place of beating myself up, but from a place of I, I'd like to be the best person that I can be. 
and and yeah, on the on the way, on the path, I'm gonna do this hard work so that I can um, put myself back together in a way that I feel better about, and that I think ultimately for the purpose of God, so that I can serve you in in the way that I think you want me to serve you. Okay, thank you. Uh, mm-hmm. I hope I didn't push you back too hard. Not at all. So Not no, that was helpful. Okay. Uh, I want to focus on, I guess, I'm, uh, as I always do, I'm sort of a little, a little bit contrarian. I ver- like very much have difficulty identifying, Johnny's laughing, I mean, you expect it, right? Okay, laughing quietly. Um, uh, I, have, like, I, I, I have trouble sort of relating to like, this is the season, I don't know, even like yeshiva, yeshiva was great, but you know, even, Davening was great, but I think davening today is wonderful. Like the davening that I go to is spiritually uplifting, and the community that I daven with is wonderful. And um, the idea of like preparing for yamim noraim, I now of course it's something that's important, but but I think sometimes like we expect more out of this season, or so much out of this season, and then we just you know fall back into whatever it is our our. Uh, our habits were from beforehand. So it's like you have this, mm-hmm. you know, wonderful Yamim Noraim season, and uh, I go to do whatever it is that I do, and then, then, then back to real life. And uh, I, I would like to sort of push back against that. Of course, sharing a word from the Mishnah. Um, so in the, uh, you know, because that's something I do, and this is related. I do every single day, and I believe very strongly, I mean really, really strongly in, in learning every single day, the power of, Learning whatever it is, like you know, Johnny is in Daf Yomi, and and some people do other Yomi things, but like most people, you're supposed to have, you know, Torah says, "Vagita Boyoma Valaila." Supposed to learn every day. So uh, we were just doing the Mishnah in uh, Mishnah of Maasrot, and it's pretty esoteric and not not related, but there's a thought that's sort of been percolating in my head that comes out strongly as a theme in the Mishnah of Maasrot. So just a little uh, background. Most of Maasrot is about when does produce chayavid maaser? Like when you like produce your like whatever your kumquats, when are they chayavid maaser? When do you have to finally start taking off trumot and maaser? And the answer is when they're ready for the gorin. You know when like, when you're when you're ready to like bring them to market, as it were. When you know when, what is that? So, but until then, you're allowed to pick them off, as it were. So like not this year, but Mali next year. If you're in your backyard and you've got an orange there, you could take off the orange and eat it. Why? That's called achilat arai. You don't have to take off trumot and masot. You can do what's called achilat arai. So the whole theme of the Mishnah is the idea of achilat arai versus achilat keva. And that there are, and it's like hidden in between the lines of the Mishnah, that, that there are workers who don't have what to eat. So they're, you know, picking off fruit when they're working because they don't have what to eat. And if you're a shop owner, right, you know, you're... you're you're, you're sitting in your store, it's really interesting. The Mishnah says, and if a shop owner is sitting in his store, at the, in the shop, of course nobody would eat like that. Who would eat sitting in their shop in front of all the people? So therefore he can eat achilat arai, whereas if he goes to the back, then he has to take off trumot and It is very interesting. And the idea of arai versus kviut, it, it really, it was something that really resonated with me very strongly. And, and something that I think is really important that m- many of us, we lack in a lot of areas of our lives. And uh, you, know, you just you think about it, and uh, obviously the obvious example is the example of, of, of uh, Shammai. Shammai says in, in Pirkei Avot, one of the, his messages is, Asei Torah Keva. Like, make your Torah Keva. 
Now, it's interesting. There are so many ways to understand that. Many people understand that means have kviut, have like, you know, have sha'ot kviut, learn at a set time, learn in a set way. But it's not, it's more than that. Meaning, is your Torah something that is kovea, the way you live your life? Is it something that gives you kviut, that gives you set, something that's set? But there's other aspects of kviut. There's obviously kviat itim la Torah, but also like even in, in eating, like the idea of achilat arai versus achilat keva. And this is something I think that families struggle with a tremendous amount. How many families, other than Shabbat, or even on Shabbat, have meals together? Like, it happens to be that, I, you know, like my kids tell me, like, many families in our community don't eat like we do. Like, we'll sit and we'll talk and we'll sing. And they're like, Abba, you don't understand. Other people, don't, they don't do that. They come, they like, they come in their pajamas on Shabbat morning and then they, they just, you know, have a piece of challah and everybody runs their own way. And the idea of sitting as a family, I mean, Molly, I'm sure you can uh, give me, back me up on this. The idea of sitting yep. as a family and having, you know, kviut in ochel. You know, like I'm a big anti uh, uh, chad pa'ami person. I don't, I don't believe in chad pa'ami. That'll push back against you. Well, okay. It. But, but no, the idea of family in, meals, absolutely. Um, not not, not uh, chad pa'ami. Anyway. I, I mean, I I believe, I'm not anti the preserving the environment, but. Um, no, I, I'm not doing it because of the environment. I know. I, 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 don't, I, I think it depends on the person. For you, um, the beauty of the, um, I, I hear it. I hear the aesthetic value and how it makes it more uplifting. I just want, again, if today's my theme is giving people a break, if you can't do that, I agree with you on Shabbos most of the time. Anyway. But <laughs> if you can't do that, don't beat yourself up and say, again, I'm going to throw out the whole thing. So have your Shabbos meal. More, most important thing is that the families are on the table communicating with each other to the best of their ability. No, that's fair. Anyway, the last thing, is, I want to get, I can get really yeah, sidetracked sorry. on that. The last area, so we talked about uh, achilat arai, you know, we talked about learning arai, tarah arai. The, the, there's another example that we find, which is dirat arai, or dirat keva. So that comes up in sukkah, where there's dirat arai. But there are people, it's a phenomenon in America, that there are people who live out of vans, and they go find a job for a month, and they go to another van. I mean, they do movies about this now. And what that means is we live in a society of temporariness. We flit from thing to thing to thing. We live in a society of arayut. And I feel it all the time. I feel it so much like how often, and, and I, we all fall into this, this idea of we sit with our phones and we're just flipping. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I'm watching a video or another stupid video on Facebook or another YouTube video. Instead of just sitting in what, what would be kviyut, reading a book. You know what I'm saying? How many people actually re, like, read books? So for me, I believe the idea uh, like of strengthening, I guess, reconstruction for me is to find the areas in my life where I can establish kviut and reestablish that kviut and strengthen that kviut. You know, because I think that, that making that um, the area in which I improve is going to be something that's not out of the ordinary in Elul, and then I'm going to go back, but... If I, if, I, if I strengthen the fact that, you know, for me, Minyan is like, you know, really important. I, I, was, I was sick this week, still a little bit. And my son looked at me and he said, he's like, I don't think I've ever seen you not go to Minyan. You know what I'm saying? Like, I couldn't remember the last time I wasn't at Minyan. It was like jarring for him. And uh, he's right, but it needs to be strengthened. I don't always get there on time, to be truly honest. You know what I'm saying? And it's like you sort of fall into bad habits in your kviut. Now, it just so happens that I learn every day Mishnah because I have to, because I created systems. But I'm a real believer in doing exactly that, creating systems that will enforce kviut. So that's the thing I think, if I were to ask myself, what are, or my recommendation 
would be, okay, so if you want to do something, if you want to do Mishnah Yomid or Halacha Yomid or, you know, have a, you know, learn once a week, whatever your Kriyut is going to be, to create a system in which you know you're going to follow, it's going to come, you're going to keep doing it, you know, even, you know, when it's difficult, even when it's hard, even when it's, when it's challenging. And I think the idea of establishing Kriyut would be an important thing, for, is an important thing for me to, that I'm thinking about uh, in Elul, rather than, you know, just the spirituality and the, you know, the elevation and the Chazara B'tshuva, which are all, I, I don't negate them, obviously, but uh, that's le- less of an emphasis for me. Johnny, you wanted to say something. Oh, I wanted to kind of almost bring things full circle because you're talking about Kviyut in your life and in terms of uh, investing time to have some kind of consistent learning program and, uh, and, and going to Minyan, etc. But what's fascinating is Elul and the Amim Noraim provides a kviut for many Jews which doesn't exist the rest of the year. In some parts of the world, we'd call them the three times a day Jews. Uh, here in Israel, there are people who won't go to shul uh, most times in the year, than maybe Shabbat, but they go to Slichot, especially Svaradim, you know, every night or early in the morning, but kviut. And there's something uh, really affirming about how this time of the year comes around. And there's certain absences of people, but then they're there. And you, you may not have seen them for 11 months, but you know they're going to be there for Slichot. You know they're going to be there for Rosh Hashanah. You know they're going to be there for Yom Kippur. And that opportunity of religious guides and religious leaders in communities, and that opportunity of that individual themselves to say, on this I won't budge. I'll be in Shul on Kippur, right? Whatever. There's no question. For most, you know, Jews here in Israel and for many Jews around the world, they'll be somewhere near, if not inside a shul, for perhaps part of Yom Kippur, if they're not able to because of family circumstance, still that day is going to have its own unique heartbeat, right, in terms of how they connect with the day and, and, and the ritual surrounding it. And there is this kind of really lovely thing. 11 months a year, it's hard to know where people are at, but there is this beautiful predictability of people hearing be it the call of the shofar, the sound of the shofar or the voice of the slichot or the calling of the rituals associated with uh, uh, Yom Kippur and knowing that that person hopefully should find their makom kavua if not a physical place necessarily but a place that they feel at home um, in those times and in those places and so I hear the word kviut and I think of Rav Am Yisrael, who are awry in many I, I ways. I feel like you hear the word Kviyut, and, and, Johnny, oh. and you hear the exact opposite of what I said. Because, yeah, because cause I don't, I'm representing I don't the other negate, people. I don't negate that there are people that, you know, like, that come to show once a year. But to me, that is the exact, that is the exact opposite of Kviyut. To say, oh, I'm a once a year Jew. I mean, I'll avai that they should do that and not do nothing. And I'm glad you see the positive. But that's not the message I'm talking about. I think that, like, the, I'm pushing but, but back that, against that. <coughs> I'm pushing back it. against the person who says, oh, Elul is coming. I'm going to learn in Elul. And, like, you know, I have, to, I, have to, I have to up my game in Elul. No, no, you have to, you have to up your game. Okay, Not like, oh, I'm just here for Rosh Hashanah. I, like, I really like... Of course. It's exactly the opposite of, of what I said. I, mean, I love you. Listen, exactly as you know, I get up every morning. I learned off Yomi. I, I, I know I you do. Like, of, <laughs> of Yomi is very familiar to me, but nevertheless... I didn't, I didn't say, first of all, by the way, I didn't mention in Yomi. I also mentioned it in terms of family time or in terms, <coughs> excuse, excuse me, 
in terms of the, the, the choices we made in our lives, I, I, you know, I, we, I think we, only, we immediately go to an area of learning or an area of, but have established habits. I mean, Molly, you even said it. Like you talked about, like you mentioned it in terms of, 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 the, of the, what's that, what did you say you're doing? You do every day your uh, meditation. meditation. yeah. Right, that just do a breath a day, but do it every day. You didn't even say it, but the idea is mm -hmm. that when you find time to do it in a, on a regular basis, with consistency, then it's something that can grow and develop and prosper. Can I cut, and be that's, like a, And that's the exact opposite of, I come with consistency once a year. Wait. That's not consistent to me. I'm sorry, that, 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 sorry. <laughs> if, if, that's your, if that's your commute, you gotta work on okay, it. Okay, can I be the kaf hashlishi hamachriya Yeah, please. Uh, I mean, I don't know oh, if I'll succeed, oh, but um, I, I, the truth is I agreed with Johnny when Johnny was talking. I was like, um, yes, this is bringing it full circle because my, re my reaction to what you were saying about not loving this idea of like, you know, this is the season, was that you're definitely right that, you know, the deep work that people do or try to do in Elul is sometimes more lasting and sometimes less lasting and sometimes more impactful and sometimes less impactful on their life. And I think that depends on a lot of things, including, you know, where they are in their life and what issues they're dealing with and all of that. But irregardless of how lasting or not lasting it is, I think there's a value to seasons, which is, I think, what Johnny was saying. Um, meaning, it's funny, like to me, I was thinking about like even in the non-Jewish world, like the Christmas season, peace, joy, and love to earth, on earth, it's good that once a year, everybody remembers that. And you can say, oh, then it goes out the window the next day, but, but it's not true because they know it's gonna come back. And we as human beings, we are oscillating beings. That's how C.S. Lewis describes us. Um, apparently, John, oh, there you go. <laughs> Ruby is holding up C.S. Lewis. <laughs> it's from the screw tape letters. It's the, 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 rule the rule of undulation. Yes, it's the rule of undulation, exactly. I always quote that to my students, right? Human beings, that's what we do. I, and it's also, by the way, from, um, you know, therapy and mindfulness. Our feelings go up, so they go down, my, they have I'm now sharing, read C.S. Lewis, yes, chapter every, eight, Laws of Undulation. There you go, read the screw tape, screw letters. tape letters. Absolutely. Okay, right, okay, so then Ruby, you know about the law of undulation, and that's what we are. We, human beings are, we are oscillating creatures. Our moods oscillate, our interests oscillates, our energy oscillates, and so um, it's healthy to, to appreciate that oscillation and kind of figure out a way to use it for us and not against us, right? So if we can use it for us and say, we, we, we are creatures of change, right? Like I like seasons, right? I assume you guys do too. I don't know how people survive in, you know, places that only have one season for a whole year. Even people in San Diego are doing just fine. They are, right apparently they're doing just fine. But like, you know, I, I miss fall and I miss my snow. Um, and I love, I think we all do a little bit. We love when the season starts to change as you're moving into something new that's new and yet familiar. And I think that like the whole cycle, the Jewish year cycle, um, I think does that for us. It's like now we're in the season of the Amim Noraim, and then we're going to be in the season of Sukkot, right? Meaning it's just a little different than Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Then we're going to be in the season of Hanukkah. Then we're going to be in the season of Purim. That's how, that's the rhythm of our lives. And it reminds us each time of the message we should be taking. And I agree with you that, you know, hopefully the, me the message will pervade the whole year, but we do need that, 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 that seasonalness, that undulation um, as humans. And that being said, I wanna say like a big shout out to this idea of kfiyut. I think it's a beautiful idea uh, when, when you were talking about it. Um, I was thinking about Rav Soloveitchik's um, Sacred and Profane, where he talks about nomads versus settlers. Mm. And he talks about how a nomad who doesn't have a home, on all levels, he's talking about a spiritual home, a physical home, is a parasite. 
right? And then they're a physical parasite, right? The nomads that kind of go to a place, use up the vegetation, and then move on. Um, they're, they're physical parasites, but he says there's also people who are spiritual parasites um, and intellectual parasites. They have no place of their own. And I think it's really true. And, and when you were talking, I was thinking about that idea that you were, when you were describing, like it's also in the family and it's also in ourselves, like the idea of being grounded, I think, um, and like building yourself as an individual and then working to the best of your ability to do what you can with your family. Uh, and then all of us, Bezrat Hashem, together, building strong communities um, and feeling part of those 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 kavua things. I just saw a Facebook post about, it said like, some woman, somebody called me up and said her daughter was born in the house that I live in and she'd like to bring her daughter to see the house. Should I let her in? And everybody was like, no, that is so creepy. Stranger. And I was like, what? Like, it was like very bizarre to me because like, maybe it's because... You know, in our communities, it sounds a little more normal. And maybe it's because I'm just used to reading 18th century literature where that was completely common. Someone would knock on a door and say, hi, this, my grandfather built this house. Um, I'd love to, to visit it. And they would say, welcome. And we'd love you to, to see this home. Um, and that came when people were more rooted in their communities. When, and because of that, people trusted each other more. And I think that that's very healthy. So for me, kviut also means that. And um, I guess I'll end it with like um, back to for thinking about sacred and profane. Something so beautiful the Rav says, which brings it back to Elul, which is this idea that the Rav says, what is the most grounded place for a, a, the Jew or for the, I would say all, probably all human beings, he would, he would kind of expand that. He says, we call Hashem, one of the names of Hashem is Hamakom for a reason. He is the place that we are grounded, right? Like we are grounded in God. God is our space, right? That's like a, 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 a Jewish concept of, of like theologically, emotionally, spiritually. Hamakom is the space that we're in. And we don't always feel that that's really hard. So if to bring it back to Elul, I think that's what we're trying to say when we say HaMelech Basadeh and Dirshu Hashem Behimatso and what, what the beautiful quote that Johnny opened with, which was... Um, you know, this is the time where we can feel that hamakom. Um, and, you know, and if that's just a season, then that's a season. And, and, and if a Kodesh Baruch Hu is, and I do this, maybe this is mystical, but all right, I've got that piece. If there's really a piece of that where Kodesh Baruch Hu is here now, the same way we say perhaps a Kodesh Baruch Hu was a little bit more distant a month ago in Av, here he is. And, and here comes Tishrei and here comes Yom Kippur. And what an opportunity to see if we can feel that or get into that back to what I said in the beginning without guilt, but from a place of, of work and trust and love, then I'll take that season. Johnny, you look like you want to add one more thing. One, one more thing. You know, I'm going to try and bring things full circle again. There was a discussion about how we struggle to find time for the things that matter. And we're talking about this idea of kvi'ut. Well, you know, the question is then, how do you do that? How do you have a sense of kvi'ut when your time is uh, not always necessarily so easy to plan? And it reminds me of a beautiful teaching uh, of Rav Nachman of Breslov in the Likutei Moran. And, uh, and he says the following. I'm going to quote it to you in Teresh Pei Dalet. Shamati Bishmo, of course, has been written by Rav Nachman Sheokhiach et Echad Shamaro She'en Lo Bepnai Milmod Machmat Oseg Masa Matan. He rebuked somebody who said they haven't got time to learn because they're so busy with their work. 
אמר אף על פי כן ראוי לו לחטוף איזה זמן לעסוק בתורה. Nevertheless, you've got to snatch some time for Torah. בכל יום, every day. ואמר שזהו מה שאמרו חז"ל. This is what our sages say in terms of those six questions you're asked. You know, when you get to heaven, שואלים את האדם, קבעת איתים לתורה. Did you, were you קובע איתים לתורה? And he explains the following. קבע זה לשון גזלה. The word קבע actually means to, to, to steal. כמו שכתוב משלי, וכעת גובהם נפש. היינו ששואלים את האדם אם גזל מן הזמן שהוא טרוד בעוסקיו, אם גזלת מהן איתים לתורה. Were you able to snatch some time of yours which you think you were so busy with in order to spend time in Torah? כי צריך אדם לחטוף ולגזול איתים לתורה מתוך הטירדה והעסק. Because a person's got to do that. And so what that tells us is what is to have to be kovea itim la Torah. It's not always to look at your calendar and say, oh, I've, I've got an hour a day. It's to look at your calendar and say, I have no time. And you say, I'm still going to snatch that. That's what is being kovea. And uh, to be able to snatch five minutes or three minutes or half an hour or whatever, that's a notion of being kovea. And it takes a certain boldness to recognize, notwithstanding our busyness and our, our challenging lives, to say, AFLP, that I've got so many things to do, I'm still going to make that a priority, and I'm going to find some time, still some time, that is the idea of Kviyot. So that's Rav Nachman Abbas. Wow. That's full circle. I'm in. Thanks so much um, uh, for this uh, sharing of these thoughts. It's a beautiful way to enter into the, the season of Elul, to share ideas. If you have ideas you want to share with us, um, our dear listeners, you can Feel free to do so on our Facebook page or reach out to us. We always love hearing from you and hearing your thoughts and your ideas as well. Okay, I want to thank Rabbi Malibravsky. Thanks, Rabbi. Yeah. Uh, Rabbi Johnny, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks to my son for our, our uh, entrance and exit music. And, uh, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you all. Welcome back to a new, new year. Uh, have a wonderful Elul, and God willing, we'll see you next week. Bye now. Shalom, this is Rav Johnny Solomon, and I would like to tell you about the services that I provide to men and women around the world. Firstly, if you have a she'ilah, a halachic query or a halachic topic you would like to learn more about as it applies to your life, and you feel that you don't have a Rav with whom you can discuss this question, I offer online halachic consultations. Secondly, if you have some theological or spiritual query, or if you're in need of some chizuk, I provide spiritual coaching. And lastly, if you'd like to learn about a particular Torah topic, I offer one-to-one -one learning. For each of these services, you can book an appointment for a small fee at my website, rabbijohnnysolomon.com, which seamlessly, with the magic of Calendly, then appears in my online calendar. And within a few minutes, you'll receive a message with a Zoom link. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to talking with you. Thank you.